0: Well, good morning, Community of Grace. Good to be with you this morning. Good to be with you, those who are watching online this morning. It's just good to be one community of grace as we are longing to see grace in every corner of our community. And let me also say Happy New Year. I know, it seems like a weird kind of greeting to give today, but it's absolutely appropriate for us to be saying Happy New Year This time of year. Now, it's not just because, like many of us, we're just hoping that this year would be in our rearview mirror, that it would mercifully come to an end. Right? That's not really the reason. The reason is because we are Advent people. It's our starting place is Advent. You know, we look towards the end of the year and Christmas and New Year's, and it's easy to start there. In our faith, but the reality of it is, our year starts with waiting. Our year starts with a sense of expectation. We're called to be filled with expectation. We're invited to prepare our hearts and our homes in anticipation. We're waiting for something good to come our way. We are longing for a Savior, and living in that longing is important. It helps us, and it helps us be a model to the world in bringing the world into the love of Jesus. That first Sunday of Advent that we're celebrating today begins with hope. Hope in an arrival, which is what Advent means. It means arrival. But as you know, anybody who's ever sat at the airport before, just because it says arrival on the board doesn't mean that the plane's on the ground, right? Right? But you look at that arrival time and you anticipate. You're longing, you're waiting maybe to see that loved one, somebody come off the plane and greet them. That's the heart that we are to have because we are to be a people of hope. We are called to be a people of hope. And this year, Advent feels different than any other year I've ever experienced. I bet that's true for many of us in this room. Why? Well, the obvious reasons are there. We have witnessed the brokenness of humanity in some profound ways this year. We've witnessed division across political lines. We've seen division in racism and and, and racial disunity. We've seen COVID and the reality of, of a disease that's around us that we can't seem to escape. And throw on top of that, the worst hurricane season that we've ever seen as a nation. And yeah, there's a lot of things there that make this a tough year. But the reality of it is, those things aren't necessarily new. I mean, political divisions have been around for a long time. Even in our nation, ultimately culminating in a war. And racism, unfortunately, that has had a long history in our nation, along with protests that many who are of a older generation remember vividly we've encountered disease before we've we've suffered through SARS we've witnessed as HIV plagued the world we've seen these things before and we've witnessed hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and you name it as natural disasters hitting the world some of them even around this time of year so why does this year feel different Because this year, our distractions have been removed. The things that we would use at any time of the year, but most especially this time of the year, to distract us from the reality of the pain, suffering, and disappointment that is all around us. We can't escape it this year, and we can't hide it. Even though sometimes we've gotten really good at hiding the mess You know, in my relationship with my wife, I am the messy one. Yeah, surprise. That's me. I'm the one who needs to get picked up after, needs to be reminded to pick up after myself. And after 25-plus years of marriage, we've figured out some ways to find some compromise in our household with my wife, who was way more organized and such a blessing into my life for so many reasons. But we found a way to compromise, and that compromise means I get a space I get a space. Some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I get a space. It's one space that I'm allowed to have my mess be in. Yep, yep. I've got that space. When I was down in Sioux City, Iowa, that space was right on my side of the bed. And over time, things would just accumulate there. Extra pairs of shoes, my computer, pads of paper and notebooks, stacks of other books, miscellaneous wires and things. They would just start to accumulate and expand on this side of the bed. But that was okay. You know why? Because that side of the bed was hidden away from the doorway where you could look into our bedroom. (laughs) And as long as you couldn't see it from the hallway, we had a deal. Then we moved back to the Twin Cities, got a new house, got a new bedroom. The bed faces the door. (laughs) That spot is gone. So I discovered a new one in our living room right next to my chair, on this side, right here. And that's okay, because the entrance is over there. But you can't hide the mess. All you got to do is look a little bit, and you'll see where Darren's mess is in the house. You can't conceal it. We can't hide it. And the reality of it is the messiness and brokenness of our world is on full display because we don't have the distractions that we normally do this time of year or any time of year. We can't just go escape to a movie or go see a concert or run out to a restaurant or go see... a a performance or a play or, or a ball game, any of those things, those things are not there for distracting us right now. So instead, we are face to face with our brokenness. We're face to face with it. And God hasn't just opened up a window for us to see it. He has held up a mirror because the more we look out to see the mess out there somewhere, the more we recognize that the mess is in us too. It's in our lives, it's in our hearts. We are broken, sinful people, and it spills out all around us. We can see the sinfulness, the suffering, the division, the pain up close and personal, and it hurts. So what do we do with all that this year? We hope. And we wait for a savior. The Apostle Paul speaks of what this longing feels like in his great letter to the church at Rome. One of the best books of the Bible is the letter to the church at Rome. We call it the book of Romans. Filled with such rich theology, such rich storytelling, such an incredible vision of the way God is at work. And in the brokenness and the sinfulness and the pain, Romans chapter 8 comes to us in verses 17 through 25. Just listen along as I read. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's a picture of our reality and the way that Advent speaks into it for me. We live not only broken lives, but in a broken world, a creation that is broken as well. Why do we see brokenness in our creation? Because we were called to be the pinnacle of that creation. We were called to steward that creation, and we fell. And in our own sinfulness, we are broken, and now that brokenness spills over into all of our creation. All creation is subject to frustration. Does anybody feel a little frustrated right now? (laughs) I bet that frustration boils over in you like it boils over in me sometimes, yes? Sometimes directed at other people, sometimes directed at inanimate objects. I have a love-hate relationship with my computer. My family knows it because sometimes I talk to it like it would talk back to me. I know it can't. I know that whatever's wrong with it most likely is a user interface problem, meaning me. But still, I'm looking for some place to put my frustration, some outlet for it. But as people of God, as followers of Jesus, we're called to something else. We're called in the midst of that frustration to live into hope. And hope is powerful. Hope is potent. Hope has the capacity to lead us and guide us to something better because we know that something better is on the way. That's why starting the year in Advent is so important for us. We don't start with the immediate gratification of Christmas saying, hey, it's Christmas, Jesus is here, everything's better, let's move on. Instead, we as the church live into the story of the entire scriptures with story upon story upon story of creation and the pinnacle of creation, humankind longing for a savior, longing for rescue, seeing their brokenness. It's not a pretty picture, Not all the stories have a happy ending and they lived happily ever after. Some of the stories are ugly, but they all point to one thing. We need a rescuer. But hope is found there too. Because again and again and again we see the promises of God coming forward to God's people and carrying all the way up to us in this present day. There is hope. but we've lost some of our capacity for hope. Maybe we've grown weary in hoping, (laughs) or maybe we just haven't stretched ourselves enough to realize that, that hope isn't something that's instantaneous. Hope itself is something we wait patiently for. Hope upon hope, our hope that is in Christ So how do we build our capacity for hope? I think this is a season, church, when we can build our capacity for hope. Let me give you four things I think can help us build our capacity and hope. And they're in the form of an anagram because pastors like things like that. So using the four letters of hope, H-O-P-E, let's start with H. H is to hear God's promise in his word. Just like I said, look up hope in the Bible and you will see page after page, story after story, psalm upon psalm that call us into hope. There's one passage in particular that I want to read for you today because I think this one speaks most specifically to this time of year, the expectation that we should have, and it's from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Listen along as I read. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. There's hope proclaimed to us through the great prophet Isaiah. It was hope for the people in his time, and it's hope for us today. It carries on. We can live into that hope in Scripture, in the promises of God. I said this before, and, and I think it bears repeating in this season of longing for hope. Our hope is found in the promises of God, not in any place else, not in our governments. Not in our medical communities. Our hope is found in Christ alone and in the promise of God that foretells his coming. That's where we find our hope. So hear God's promise in his word. Then open up to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Folks, we're not here doing this just because this is some exercise in self-fulfillment or some pump-yourself-up self-help exercise. That is not what we are called to be as God's people. We are people of the Spirit. And that deposit of the Holy Spirit has been placed into every one of us. So let's open ourselves up to the filling of the Holy Spirit and allow that filling to well up in us a sense of hope. Because you can't overcome a spiritual problem through natural means. Each of us have real issues in our lives that have spilled over into our families and into the community around us, and it's not just good enough to put a Band-Aid on it and try harder to stop. We need to be people of the Spirit who lean into the Holy Spirit saying, God, do your work in me through your Spirit. and Let that hope well up in you. So hear God's promise in his word and open up to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and then persevere in prayer. We talk about prayer, but we don't often talk about persevering in prayer. Persevering in prayer means not giving up after a couple times. It means continuing to pray. Not because we do it enough times and there's some magic number of prayers and then God answers. Not at all. But it puts us in the the right posture before God, recognizing that we don't have the answers. He does. And we persevere. We exercise those prayer muscles that in some of us have gotten, well, the COVID-19, you know? But we persevere in prayer. We bring those prayers again and again before the Lord. We let that muscle get strengthened in this time from God's word and from His spirit. These lead one into the other, friends. So we persevere in prayer. And then we expect a miracle. We expect a miracle. Now, some may say that that sounds awfully presumptuous. I mean, we can pray for miracles and stuff, but, but we shouldn't expect them, right? I mean, that, that just seems like it's putting way too much pressure on God. Really? I hope my God isn't that small. I hope God isn't limited by my capacity. You see, sometimes we expect way too much of ourselves and way too little of God. He is the miracle worker. And when things aren't going well and we we turn to other means to try and fix things, it only builds our frustration. The frustration we have with ourselves and with others and with the world around us. Friends, we must move from personal frustration to holy expectation. That's what hope means. It's to expect a miracle. We serve a God of miracles, and those miracles are found in the person of Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus, and he is the only hope we have and the only hope we need. And when we look at the problems of politics and racism and disease and nature gone mad, friends, we have a hopeful expectation in the miracle worker. Jesus, Jesus, the one who unites us from all kinds of backgrounds. Jesus, the one who breaks the yoke of bondage and sets people free. Jesus, the one who heals with a touch and quiets the storms with a word. That's where our hope is. We can have an expectation of God's miracles because they are there in Scripture and now they are there in our own lives because you and your belief and your faith is a miracle to begin with. That miracle is in you. To have faith in Jesus Christ, that's not something you can whip up yourselves. That is God's gift, and it is a miraculous transformation of your heart and mine. So we can expect it, friends. Hear God's promise, open up to the Holy Spirit, persevere in prayer, and expect a miracle. That's how we build our hope capacity. That's how we become a people of hope. That's how we let hope flow into us, Overflow us and ultimately flow out onto the world around us. And we have the capacity to do that as we build this capacity. And we have places to share it. You've already seen some of the examples of places to share it, but let me highlight one for you this season. We are pouring out love on our seniors. Folks who are feeling the most separated, the most isolated, the most lonely. In our community, members of our congregation, and those who are not members of our congregation. We want to pour out love on them so that they can have a sense of hope in this season as well. There's a variety of ways that you can do it. Go onto our website and look for Pouring Out Hope on Our Seniors and find out how you can participate in some simple ways to bring hope to others. That's what it is to be a people of hope. As we start this Advent journey together, trusting in Emmanuel, God who is with us, and patiently awaiting his being reborn in our hearts again. Let's live as people of hope. Because hope is on the way. Hope is on the way in the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father, as we come into this season of waiting, this season of patiently waiting for your arrival, an arrival that occurred 2,000 years ago but still is alive and new to us today and will someday culminate in your return when you make all things right. Lord, may our hearts move from an unholy frustration that lashes out at the world around us, at things both inanimate and animate, at other human beings, through all the various channels that we have to hurt one another and divide from one another. Lord, may we as your people of hope move from unholy frustration to holy expectation. Expecting, Lord, that something is coming and that something is your son, Jesus Christ. Someone who is God with us. Lord, may we live in that hope. Help us to build that hope, Lord, through your word, through your spirit through persevering in prayer and through great expectations of the miracles that you are doing and will do. Thank you, Jesus. We trust in you in all these things and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.